in the Bantamweight division. At UFC 288, you got the Brazilian Daniel Santos coming in at 11 and 2, taking on the American Johnny Munoz, who comes in at 12 and 2. He's also two inches taller at 5'9 over Santos. Age won't be a factor here. Munoz does have a four inch reach advantage. Both guys stand right handed. Santos, 4.8 significant strikes per minute. Munoz, 3.7. So about one more per minute there for Santos of about 15 over the course of the fight. But Munoz lands more takedowns, nearly two over the course of three rounds. Santos might get one. So ground game could be a factor. Santos, 57% takedown defense. That's not great. Did beat John Castaneda um, in his second UFC fight, won that by KO. It's a nice win. Lost to Julio Ars by unanimous decision and just got dominated uh, in the striking department. Now, Johnny Munoz, 66% takedown defense. I like that. Beat uh, Ludwig Shalinian by decision. Lost to Tony Gravely and Nate Manis. But he did manage to beat uh, Jamie Simmons uh, by rear naked submission. So, you know, not really many big wins here. This is a, a tough prediction. Always the first fight of the night is. I mean, this is a fight that could really go uh, either way. But I'm going to lean with Daniel Santos. Even though I don't like the takedown defense, I feel as though if it does go to the ground, he'll have a good shot here for sure. Uh, Brazilians are always tough on the ground, or they seem to be. Sometimes they'll catch one or two that's not, but for the most part, they got that training in their nature. They practice the jiu-jitsu, so if it goes to the ground, I like his, I like his chances. Just being honest. So I think Daniel Santos has a good opportunity to win this fight, in my opinion. He's better in significant strikes. You just gotta take you just gotta get better at takedown defense here, and I think you will. In my opinion, to move to twelve and two, likely by decision over Johnny Munoz, who fall to twelve and three, Bantamweight division, UFC two eighty eight. In the middleweight division of UFC two eighty eight, you got Joseph Holmes coming in at eight and three, taking on Claudio Ribeiro, comes in at ten. And three, and this is going to be a great fight. Got the American fighting the Brazilian. Holmes, the American, three inches taller at six four. He's got about a three inch reach advantage. Both guys stand right handed. Now, Ribeiro lands more significant strikes per minute, like 3.9 compared to 3.1, but not a big difference. But Ribeiro will outpace him by about 10 to 15 significant strikes in this fight. But Holmes can deny that a little bit because he's got a good takedown ability landing, like. A takedown every other round. You know, we haven't seen much of that yet from, uh, from Ribeiro because he's KO'd both of his opponents. So I'm sure he's got that in his uh, wheelhouse too. Now, Holmes come up the loss to Jung Yong Park by submission. So that's not good news. He beat Alan Amadoski by submission. Okay. And Shante Barnes by decision. He also lost to Jamie Pickett by decision. So He's got some questionable losses there. Now, Ribeiro lost two outside the UFC, but he lost one inside the UFC against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan by second-round KO. He beat Ivan Valenzuela by KO at Dana White's Contender Series. So I missed that the first time. He's actually uh, 0-1 in the UFC, but he did win the Contender Series. So guys capable of being KO'd, they both have question marks here. But I like the Brazilian in this one just because I know – there's always that potential to go to the ground. So if Ribeiro's in trouble, he might shoot him for a takedown. We saw that twice last week. So I'm leaning with Ribeiro here, even though he'll probably land more significant strikes, might get the KO himself. 
We'll see. But I like Ribeiro either way to win this fight and what could be a, a grudge match for sure. But Ribeiro wins, in my opinion, moves to 11-3. and three, Middleweight division, UFC 288. In the flyweight division of UFC 288, you got the Brazilian Rafael Stavon coming in at 11-0, taking on Zalgas, who Magulov comes in at 14-8. and eight. Now, Stavon's going to be four inches taller at 5'8". He's also considerably younger. He's only 26 years old compared to Zumagulov, who's 34. He's got about a 3-inch reach advantage. He fights right-handed. Zalgis Zumagulov is a switch dance fighter. But Estevam, at, at least so far, uh, outpaces Zumagulov by two significant strikes per minute, 6.5 to about 4.8 for uh, Zalgis. Uh, when it comes to the takedown game, Estevam better too. He's the Brazilian, right? Brazilians usually good at the takedown game, not always, but usually. Four takedowns over the course of three rounds. Uh, his opponent lands like 1.4 over the course of three rounds, like one every other round. So, you know, that's not going to get the job done here. Now, with Stavon, 0% takedown defense because he hasn't had to defend him. He had a quick second-round KO against uh, Yao Elias back at Dana White's Contender Series. Season 6, he led 48-3 to three in significant strikes. Two takedowns to none, so dominating fashion. Now, Zuma Gulov stops the takedowns two out of three times, 66%. Coming off the loss, several losses to Charles Johnson, uh, Jeff Molina, and Manel Cape. So that's what's got him in this situation, right? Now, how good is Rafael Estevam? He looks pretty good on paper, right? And he's going to be good on the ground. This guy's a young guy, a rising guy. He's undefeated. I don't see him losing this fight to Zalgas, who already has eight losses. So I like Rafael Esteban to win this fight. The question is, will it be a finish or not? I like to finish here. But either way, Esteban moves to 12-0, flyweight division, UFC 288. In the middleweight division of UFC 288, you got Phil Hawes, veteran, coming in at 12-4, taking on a guy making his UFC debut, Ikram Aliskarov, who comes in at 13 and one, and I'm excited about this guy. I'll tell you why in a minute. Both guys stand six feet tall. Uh, Hawes has a two-inch reach advantage. He fights right-handed. Aliskarov is a southpaw. Hawes is going to land, like, on average, two more significant strikes per minute than Aliskarov, so he outpaces him there. But Aliskarov with a big takedown game, right? At least in the contender series, kind of like a debut situation. He averaged, like, seven uh, takedowns over the course of three rounds. So that's more than two per round. I don't think he better keep up that pace as he gets into the UFC, but he's certainly going to go for takedowns and can land them. Now, recently, when you look at Phil Hawes over his career, he does have 100% takedown defense. That'll go a long way here. He's lost to the likes of Roman Delice, Chris Curtis, right? Big names, and Julia Marquez. He's beaten guys like Deron Wynn, Kyle Dawkins, Amavov, Malkoon, and Bestayev. So, you know, that's kind of the balance. He's not as good as some of the good, good fighters, and he's not as bad as some of the fighters he should be beating. Now, Liskarov, right, when I look at a guy coming into the UFC, I look at the record, and it's okay, 13 wins, great, but he's got the one loss. Who's that loss against? Have we ever heard of him? And you scroll down on this one, that loss came to Hamza Chamaya in 2019 at Brave CF 23. Hamza Chamaya, he got KO'd in the first round. So the guy's, in my opinion, basically undefeated. And when guys have fought Hamza, they tend to get better and better after the fact. And as much as I like Phil Halls, I'm not going against uh, Iskarov, Iskarov here. 
I like him to win this thing. I think he's going to break Phil Hawes' 100% uh, takedown defense uh, over the course of his career, right? Eight, nine fights, no takedowns given up. That's going to change in this fight. I like Aliskarov to land the takedowns. He's got to to win. That's what makes this fight interesting. I like Aliskarov to break the takedown defense of Phil Hawes, get the victory, likely by decision, maybe by submission, here in the middleweight division at UFC 288. In the heavyweight division at UFC 288, you got Braxton Smith coming in at 5 and 1. Newcomer taking on Parker Porter, who comes in at 13 and 8. Parker Porter's a tough boy. He's 6 feet tall, 1 inch taller than Smith. He's getting up there, though. He's 38 years old. He's got a 75 inch reach. He fights right handed. Smith also fights right handed. Now, Parker Porter, more of the veteran, 6.5 significant strikes per minute. Not too bad. 1.4. Uh, Takedown average, so he's getting like a takedown and a half every three rounds or one every other round. It's not a big part of his game, but he'll utilize it from time to time. So Braxton Smith, newcomer, right? That just means he's got five wins, a few stoppages. He's got one loss outside the UFC. You always want to consider that. Parker Porter's got eight losses total, including back-to-back -back losses against Justin Taffa by KO and a submission to Jelton Almeida, who's a tough boy. So... Both of those fights tough. Now, I did beat Alan Badeau, Chase Sherman, and Josh Parisian while he's on a three-fight win streak. So he's very, very capable uh, of winning, and I think he's got a good chance to win here because he's facing a newcomer, not a lot of experience. So look for Parker Porter to get the win here, and i like to see him get a finish. I think that's the big question uh, in this fight. He'll win, in my opinion, on significant strikes to move to 14-8, and eight, heavyweight division, UFC 288. In the women's strawweight division at UFC 288, you got Marina Rodriguez taking on Verna Jandaroba. And this is going to be a tough prediction because Rodriguez is 16 and 2, Jandaroba 18 and 3. It's Brazil on Brazil. So you got two similar styles, two similar matchups in this fight. Now, Rodriguez is three inches taller at 5'6. They're both getting up there in age a little bit. Uh, Rodriguez 36, Jandaroba 34. You know, you start creeping into those later 30s as time goes on. You start to slow down, but they're not quite there yet. Rodriguez, one-inch reach advantage, 65-64. They both stand right-handed. Marina Rodriguez, much more active, 4.8 significant strikes per minute to 2.5 for Jandaroba. But it's Jandaroba who goes in for takedown. She gets about two over the course of a fight, over the course of three rounds, to be exact. Now, Marina Rodriguez, 65% takedown defense. That's average. Not great, not terrible. In her last fight against Amanda Limo, she gave up one takedown, got KO'd in the third round. But be, you know, so you can look at that. But you go back a few fights, she beat Jan Gionin, big win, Mackenzie Dern, Michelle Waterson Gomez, all by decision. So impressive resume. Now Janda Roba, seventy three percent takedown defense. That won't matter. She's facing a striker. Coming off the win over Angela Hill by decision, she lost to. Amanda Rebus by decision, uh, and then beat Conico Murata by KO. Lost to Mackenzie Dern by decision. Got outstruck by 19 significant strikes. Now, Marina Rodriguez beat Mackenzie Dern 144 to 49 in terms of significant strikes. So, and yes, Mackenzie Dern was kind of two different fighters in both of those fights, but it's just clear to me that Marina Rodriguez is the better fighter in this situation, but it's not going to be an easy fight. 
Fernandez Roba brings it. She wins what 18 out of 21 times. She can take you down if she gets in trouble. So I mean, look for Marina Rodriguez to get off on the strikes. Look for Jander Roba to go for level changes to try to slow things down. And we've seen Brazilians do this in the past. This last weekend, especially, where in two fights the Brazilians were in trouble on the feet. They go in for the takedown and get the submission. So it's never really over. But look for Marina Rodriguez to get the win here by decision, in my opinion, to move to 17 2, women's strawweight division, UFC 288. In the welterweight division at UFC 288, you got Chaos Williams, your boy, coming in at 13. And three taking on newcomer Rolando Bedoya, who comes in at an impressive 14 and one and fights at a Fury Fighting Championships. So 14 and one. He's won 14 out of 15 fights. That's all you need to say about him. Chaos Williams becoming a veteran. He's one inch taller than Bedoya. Of course, this will be a welterweight fight at 170 pounds. He's got a 77-inch reach. He stands right-handed. He lands about five significant strikes per minute, which, you know, means he's very, very active. Now, recently, he's kind of struggled over the last four fights. He got two wins, but lost to uh, Randy Rudeboy Brown by split decision. He beat Miguel Beza by KO, beat Semmelsberger. To me, that's a big win by decision, and lost to Michelle Pereira. So, on the flip side, Ronaldo Bedoya seems like he never loses. He did lose once to Kevin Moraya, uh, but that was back in 2015. So this guy has run off about seven, eight, nine fights since then. So you can see why he's getting an opportunity. But I think Chaos Williams is going to look at this like, I can't believe you're making me fight a guy in his UFC debut. And he's going to absolutely run through Bedoya. But Bedoya might be so good that, you know, I'm overlooking him here. But I just have faith in Chaos Williams that he gets the job done. He gets the win here in impressive fashion to move to 14 and 3. In my opinion, welterweight division, UFC 288. In the light heavyweight division at UFC 288, you got Kennedy and Chuku coming in 11 and 3, taking on Devin Clark, who comes in at 14 and 7. Now, Kennedy uh, stands five inches taller than Clark, is six feet five inches he's also got an eight eight inch reach advantage 83 to 75 this is a tall uh lanky guy with a long reach he fights southpaw devin clark stands right-handed now kennedy lands about 4.6 significant strikes per minute devin clark not as much nearly three significant strikes per minute but devin clark can land takedowns uh, about 2.4 over the course of three rounds so he's definitely getting two uh if this fight goes the distance so that can work in his favor. And Kennedy's a tall guy that is uh, susceptible to takedowns other than the fact that he can stick the jab. He's got that long reach and he can keep you off balance. Now, Kennedy does stop the takedowns 80% of the time. So that's good news for him. He's coming off the win over Ian Kudalaba by second round KO. He beat Carl, Carl uh, Robertson by third round KO. Before that, he lost to uh, Neg Moreno and Da Woon Jung. But he did beat uh, Danilo Marquez prior to that. So he's won four of the last six and two of the last four. Not great, but also not terrible. Now, Devin Clark has a takedown defense of 59%. That's not great, but his opponent's not going to try to land takedowns as much in this fight. Devin Clark did come off a win 
Uh, he's coming off a win over Da Woon Jung, where his opponent uh, lost that fight by KO. Devin Clark beat his opponent by unanimous decision. For that, he lost to Azamat Mirzakhanov. He beat William Knight and lost to Ian Kudalaba and Anthony Smith. So it's kind of wild. This is a tough prediction because, you know, Kennedy lost to Da Woon Jung. His opponent beat him. And on the flip side, Devin Clark lost to Ian Kudalaba. His opponent beat him. So, you know, the common opponents here uh, doesn't seem to mean very much. So Devin Clark has more power, but he has seven losses. I don't like that. Kennedy is a Chukwu. It's kind of like which guy is going to show up to the fight, but he is 11 and three. He wins more time, uh, more times than not. And I'm going to lean with him slightly in this fight. Although I will tell you now, anything can happen here and I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other, but I like Kennedy as a Chukwu uh, to get the win likely by decision. He could get the KO possibly, but nonetheless, uh, he'll win this fight in my opinion to move to 12 and three. Light heavyweight division, UFC 288. In the lightweight division of UFC 288, you got Drew Diver coming in at 26 and 11, taking on Matt Frivola, who comes in at 10 and 3. So this should be an interesting matchup. Dober, a uh, heavy favorite here in this fight. Let's get down to why. He's one inch shorter than Matt Frivola at 5 8. He's given up one inch in reach, 71 to 70. Now Dober's a southpaw, where Frivola stands right-handed so a couple of differences here already now dober is more active four and a half significant strikes per minute where Favola lands uh, about three and a half so he's, he's going to land one more per minute or about 15 significant strikes throughout the fight that will be great but matt Favola lands more takedowns he's landing about two takedowns over the course of three rounds dober doesn't have much to speak of in that department now, Dober's takedown defense isn't terrible, but it's not great. 55%. That means his opponent shoots for two takedowns. He's given up uh, one out of two. But it hasn't been a problem so far. He came, He's coming off the win over Bobby Green by second round KO. Uh, Bobby Green was out striking him, though. But Dober found a way to win that fight. Before that, he beat Rafael Alves. That's a big win as well. Alves took him down once. He still outstruck him. He also beat Terrence McKinney by KO in a similar fashion that he did against Bobby Green. He's getting outstruck, but finds a way to win. So over the last three fights, the takedowns haven't been a problem, but he's been facing strikers uh, as of late. Now, when you look at Matt Frivola, he's coming off back-to-back wins over Atman Azatar by KO and Gennaro Valdez also by KO. Both fights he dominated in significant strikes. Before that, he lost to uh, Terrence McKinney, who was making his UFC debut at the time, and KO'd him in seven seconds. Dober beat Terrence McKinney. So, you know, they have the common opponent in which Dober beat, but I don't think that is a big deal here. I think Frivola just got basically bum-rushed by Terrence McKinney. You know, you're facing a guy that's making his debuts, taking a chance, and he kind of surprised Matt Frivola. Now, this is going to be a much closer fight than people think. It always is in a lightweight division, best division in the UFC, most competitive. But still, I think Drew Dober finds a way to win. And this time, he doesn't get outstruck. Could he land a knockout? Quite possibly. But I look for this to go the distance, and Drew Dober gets the victory on significant strikes. He's going to give up about one or two takedowns, maybe three. But he'll get out of it. 
and he'll find a way uh, to win and continue to outpace Matt Frivola throughout this fight. So look for him to win, in my opinion, to move to 27 and 11, lightweight division, UFC 288. In the featherweight division of UFC 288, you got Cron Gracie coming in at 5 and 1, the Brazilian. Taking on the Canadian Charles Jordan, who comes in at 13 and 6. I like this matchup. Both guys 5'9. Gracie a little older. Just his third UFC fight, though. He's 34. Jordan 27. Gracie's got a one-inch reach advantage, 70 to 69. Now Gracie fights a left-handed Southpaw. Charles Jordan can switch stance at any time. Jordan lands about 5.9 significant strikes per minute to 5.2 for Gracie. Both uh, of those are really good. Takedown game. Uh, could be there, but both guys land less than one uh, over the course of three rounds. So not much there. Gracie, 0% takedown defense, and that's because he, he hasn't had to defend a takedown yet against Cub Swanson. He stood and struck against him. You know, Stood and strike, I guess I should say, 135 times for Cub Swanson. 135 to 86 in significant strikes. So Gracie went down. That's his only loss. He did beat Alex Caceres by submission in the first round. Alex Caceres went on a big win streak. After that, now Jordan, 48% takedown defense. Could that be exploited? We'll see. He's come with the loss to Nathaniel Wood and Shane Burgos, both by decision. In both of those fights, he gave up seven takedowns total. That's a problem. Before that, he beat Andre Yule, Lando Venata. Uh, but the last two losses really put things into question. And this is a tough one because Jordan is a veteran, but he struggled as of late. Crown Gracie underdog here but really unsure of what to expect because the guy's getting older he's only fought twice since 2019 so this fight could really go either way uh having a tough time with this one but i'm gonna lean in a slight lean i mean a slight lean towards charles jordan uh to win this fight by decision but i am concerned for sure about the takedowns he's given up seven in the last two fights takedown defense is terrible you go to the ground against a Brazilian, uh, it's not going to be good. So he's really got to defend the takedowns here, and that's no easy task. But in doing so, he'll win on the feet to move to 14 and 6. Look for him to win two out of three rounds to get the win here in the featherweight division, in my opinion, at UFC 288. In the featherweight division at UFC 288, you got Mavsar Evloev coming in perfect at 16 and 0. But instead of facing Bryce Mitchell, he now faces Diego Lopes, the Brazilian who comes in at 21 and 5. Lopes is 4 inches taller, 5'11". Both guys, same reach, 73 inches apiece. Both guys fight right-handed. But there's clear differences in this fight. Evloev more active, about 4.4 significant strikes per minute. Diego Lopes, 2 significant strikes per minute. Also, Mavsar Evloev lands... Nearly a takedown and a half per round, or if the fight goes three rounds, he's good for four or five takedowns. And although Diego Lopes is a Brazilian who can probably hold his own on the ground, not against the likes of Mavsar of Loev. He has several losses outside of the UFC, and it's real simple. We don't have to go into too much detail in this fight because Mavsar of Loev is just clearly better than Diego Lopes. The fight against Bryce Mitchell would have been very interesting. And a great challenge for Evloa, but unfortunately that fight isn't happening. So Diego Lopes gets the call on less than a week's notice, and it's not going to go well for him. Avsar Evloev is one of the best in the division. He'll win this fight easily. Hopefully he gets to finish. 
but one way or another, he'll win this fight easily, in my opinion, to move to 17-0. Mostly on takedowns and ground and pound potential submission here in the featherweight division at UFC 288. In the women's strawweight division at UFC 288, you got Jessica Andrade coming in at 24-10. and 10, The Brazilian taking on Jan Gionin, who comes in at 16-3, and 3, fighting out of China, right? She's 5'5", five, five, compared to the 5'1", Andrade. So she's four inches taller. She's got a one-inch reach advantage, 63-62. Both fight right-handed. Now, both are very active. 6.8 significant strikes per minute for Andrade. Jan, 5.5. Both very good. Andrade also has an advantage on the ground as she lands roughly one takedown uh, every round. Jan's going to land one like every three rounds. So although Jan would stack up nicely against most, both, uh, most fighters, not against Andrade, who also has a 73% takedown defense. Now she lost to Aaron Blanchfield in her last fight. Blanchfield's 11-1. But before that, she beat uh, Lauren Murphy, Amanda Limos, and Cynthia Calvillo. So, you know, she's looked really good over the course uh, of the last, really, five to eight fights since losing the title to Rose Namajunas. Now, Jan coming off the win over Mackenzie Dern. That opened some eyes. She's also got a 70% takedown defense. So she was taken down twice by Dern, but still won a majority decision on significant strikes. That's not going to happen in this case. For that, she lost to Marina Rodriguez and Carla Esparza. So the only thing that's concerning to me here, and I'm going with Jessica Andrade flat out, I'm just concerned, uh, you know, that a lot of these stats and really her strength is much stronger in one way class up. So she's going back down to straw weight. She's kind of worked her way up to fly weight, back down to straw weight and so on. I don't know if the power is there as much. It's still there, but she's very active. And I think that still carries her to victory here, likely by decision. In my opinion, she'll defend the takedowns well. She'll land takedowns and definitely outpace Jan to move to 25 and 10 women's straw weight division, UFC. 288 in the welterweight division at ufc 288 this is your co-main event just added gilbert burns 22 and 5 takes on Bilal. remember the name muhammad who comes in at 22 and 3 and this is going to be a blockbuster fight make no mistake about it muhammad one inch taller at 5 11 both guys relatively the same age uh, muhammad's 34 burns 36 muhammad's got a one inch reach advantage both guys fight right-handed. Now, to some of the differences, Muhammad is a little bit more active than Burns. 4.5 significant strikes per minute compared to 3.4 for Burns. The takedown game is almost equal. Both guys get about two takedowns over the course of three rounds. Now, where things aren't equal is takedown defense. Burns, 47%. Not very good. Bilal, 92%. And that's a big stat right there in this fight but burns since the hamza chamayev loss uh in april of 2022 last year he's beaten neil magny by submission jorge masvidal decision and you've seen this from a lot of guys that hamza has fought you look at their record afterwards like gerald mearshart went four and one over the course of the next five fights burns is now two uh and oh since the hamza fight so that's something to keep an eye on is you know you get in the octagon with Hamza and 
Gilbert Burns was in the octagon for a full three rounds. Had to make him a better fighter in that situation. Now, Bilal Muhammad coming off the win over Sean Brady. It was a big one because Brady was rising. Second round KO. He beat Vicente Luque. And say what you want. Luque was off that night. Didn't have his best night at the time. Uh, Vicente was a fighter that no one wanted to fight. I mean, he was on the rise. He also beat Stephen Thompson and Damian Maya. I mean, this guy is surging. And this might be one of the toughest predictions of the year. One of the few fights I started to look at before I pressed the record button, right? And I still can't make a decision, but I got to make one now. And I'm going to lean with Bilal Muhammad in this fight. Even though I almost always go with guys that Hamza Chamayev recently fought. I went with Kevin Holland against Ponzinibbio when a lot of people went the other way. I've gone with Gerald Mearshart several times. I backed Burns in the last two fights. He hasn't let me down. But this time I'm going against Burns. I like Bilal Muhammad. You look at the last four fights, Bilal Muhammad is peaking right now in his career. He's still 34 years old. He'll turn the corner in the next two to three years, but that's not today. So I like Bilal Muhammad potentially to get the finish, but likely win this thing by decision uh, to move to 23-3. and He'll do it on significant strikes, take down defense. He'll keep this fight standing and outstrike Gilbert Burns. Again, to move to 23-3, and in my opinion, welterweight division co-main event, UFC 288. In the Bantamweight division for the Bantamweight division title at UFC 288, got Aljamain Sterling, the current champ, 22-3, and taking on a former champ, making the comeback, Henry Cejudo, who comes in at 16-2. And, and this fight is even money for entertainment purposes only. Sterling, 5'7", three inches taller than Cejudo. Cejudo now 36, Sterling just 33. Both guys, I mean, Sterling in the prime of his career, Cejudo, Kind of heading downward, but he's also fresh. Keep that in mind throughout the prediction. Sterling has a 7-inch reach advantage. Both guys stand right-handed. Now, Sterling a little more active. 4.7 significant strikes to 4 uh, per minute for Cejudo. So Sterling will outpace him over the course of 25 minutes by about 15 to 18 significant strikes based on the average. Takedown average, both guys land about 2 takedowns uh, over the course of 3 rounds. You can expect 2 or 3 takedowns. In this fight, and it will certainly go to the ground at some point. Sterling, just a 41% takedown defense. That's a big problem. Now, he beat TJ Dillashaw by KO, beat Piotr Jan twice, one by disqualification, one by split decision on his way to capture uh, the title, and then defended it once. So, Sterling, uh, you know, the reigning champion. Again, Henry Cejudo coming in trying to capture the belt, get it back, and then probably. Uh, call for an immediate title shot at featherweight, which he would get. Cejudo, 93% takedown defense. In his last fight, he KO'd Dominic Cruz in the second round. That was in May of 2020. He beat Marlon Moraes by KO and TJ Dillashaw by KO. So Cejudo's for real, but we don't know what he's getting after the long layoff, except for the fact that he's fresh. We know Aljamain Sterling is at his height. And because of that, and because I like Sterling, I, I think he's going to win this fight. The, the biggest question mark is a takedown defense. I think he answers that in this fight. Yeah, he'll give up one, two, maybe even three takedowns, but he's still winning three rounds uh, in a unanimous decision victory, in my opinion, because he's going to outstrike Cejudo and uh, minimize any problems on the ground, likely get up quickly on two out of three of those. So again, he wins three or four rounds in this fight. And it, as long as it goes to a decision, he wins. 
to move to 23 and 3. So Hudo will fall. The comeback will fall short. In my opinion, he'll fall to 16 and 3, Bantamweight Division, UFC 288.